Welcome to the Coach House Beacons. Hi, this is Johnny, and welcome to this Coach House Beacon. When you're working your back off, the last thing you want to hear is, you're not doing enough. Or, for that matter, anything else that diminishes the quantity and the quality of the work that you think you've been doing. I find that even the slight implication that I'm not trying hard enough is enough to make me angry. Why is that? Partly it's frustration. In other words, people don't understand how much I've done. Or secondly, it can feel like a personal affront. Why am I your target? Additionally, there is a disharmony. Why is there so often needless friction and discouragement between colleagues or people who are trying to accomplish the same goal? I'm sure you find this a common situation as you work in teams or groups, whether it's at church, in the workplace, or in a sports club, or really any joint venture at all. Above the question of personal offence is the question of what is right. In other words, whatever this or that person thinks, have I done enough to a high enough standard, or have I fallen short on an objective level? When you can, You pull out the stats or standards, whatever your context uses to measure performance. For example, a post-match analysis in a football match can track which players have ran further than others or taken more shots on target. Many of us have performance reviews at work which often try to quantify whether or not we've done a good job, with more or less success depending on the boss and company policy. Sometimes we're rightfully suspicious of the standards being applied to us in our work, or the person who's doing the applying our bosses and superiors. While we doubt the efficacy of the process, most of us would agree that we want a fair treatment with regards to our work and an attempt to acknowledge and understand what we've done and to penalise people who just can't be bothered. The Ephesian Christians addressed in Revelation 2 didn't tolerate wicked people, they chucked out false teachers and endured a ton of persecution and hardship for Jesus. They were putting in work, more than most of us do, I imagine they felt pretty put out then, when in the next couple of sentences, John says this in chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Outrage would be my first response. Who dares tell me that I'm not doing enough, after all I've done so far? The image of the lampstand being removed is them losing their place before God as a church who does what pleases God. It seems like the classic case of a bad manager failing to recognise the work of his employees and then using a miserable performance tracking programme to try and prove that they hadn't done enough. However, as I said earlier, we're likely to respect the criticism depending on the person giving it and the standards that they're applying. So how do we put this passage in perspective when we think of our own lives with Jesus? First off, it's important to say that we don't have a precise list of the exact things that were going wrong with the Ephesian Christians. Perhaps if we could see the ways they were not showing their love as they had at first, then maybe we'd easily agree with John about them. I suppose their other actions, for example not tolerating false teachers or evil and enduring hardship and persecution, could have become joyless and loveless tasks Perhaps keeping their rickety ship of a church going under fire from so many things meant that they lost their love and their grasp of the God that they were serving. Even then, I bet we still find the criticism very harsh. 
these passages in Revelation are meant to motivate us by the image of the glory of God and his power, rather than by the images we usually see of a meek and forgiving Jesus, which is no less true or accurate. This short section addressed to the Ephesian church begins like this. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The whole point of this harsh-sounding passage is to remember who is telling them these things. If it's Johnny Knight, the preacher from down the street, or the casual onlooker, these criticisms would rightly be thrown aside with contempt. What would he or she know, after all? But in the first chapter of Revelation, we are given this glorious image of the person who is speaking through Revelation, God himself. And in light of this image, we are meant to receive the words that he tells us. This is the glorious picture, or one of the glorious pictures of God, which John sees and passes on to us, and it comes in chapter 1, verse 14 to 16. The hair on his head was white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. I cannot stress this enough, but when God, the God described above, speaks to the churches, he is absolutely for them. He desires and longs and hopes for their victory. Their existence as churches is dependent in the first place on the fact that Jesus had died for them out of love on the cross to take away their sins and restore their relationship with God. In other words, this is not a picture of of detached glory but of God motivating his people by showing them this glorious image of who he is. It's not there to intimidate, even if it feels intimidating. It is there to show the full weight of God's power that is on the Christian's side. And listen to this. It is motivating them and enabling them to carry carry on through the seemingly impossible circumstances. We see this God clearly. If we see this God clearly, we will know instantly that we can carry on. With his power, we always can. With his power, we can change. On the other hand, it offers a response and a challenge to the literal and figurative demons that we face. If this is the kind of God that we serve, then what hope do our problems have of overpowering him? If this is the kind of God we serve, then what kind of hope does Satan have against us? If this is the kind of God that we serve, then why can't I repent, change direction, and love others with him helping me? And these are the kind of things that should have been running through the minds of the Ephesian Christians when they heard this too. God's standards make sense because of God's character and his love for us. Like the Ephesians, when we see him rightly, we are motivated to bring our lives into line with his standards because he's helping us. If we're working hard but we've lost the love that we had at first, he is the one who can restore us and set us back on track. Unlike our earthly managers or performance review systems, we know God has done everything needed to help us come to know him and saved us despite our own shocking performances. However, with him, we also have the power to become better and truly become the people that he wants us to be as we rely on him. So let me just pray. Lord God, I thank you that because of your glory and your mighty power, We have the strength to carry on, no matter how we feel. Lord, we thank you that you've given us and equipped us with everything that we need for living a godly life. That this is all due to you and due to you helping us all the way along. 
and we thank you that we can look at these images in Revelation and across the Bible that show us your power, which is not apart from your love, but it goes together with your love for us, just to show us uh, how much is on our side, especially when we feel down or we feel that things are difficult. We pray that you just help us to remember that this week. In Jesus' name, Amen. Coach House Beacons, the Coach House Church Daily Devotional. To find out more, join us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website at www.coachhousechurch.org.